Hello, this is me, Toku, and everyone we know, a podcast about friends watching Japanese science fiction and fantasy media from Kaiser to Zerum. I'm Kyle. And I'm Quincy. And Quincy, podcasts scatter like sheep when the Galactic Wolf arrives. What the hell did we watch? We watched um, Just Beyond, or Mega Beast Investigator Just Beyond. And this is the first of the Metal Heroes series that we're tackling. Yeah, and it's a weird one to start on. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't believe this is the first Metal Heroes show. No, I believe that'll be Metalder or something of that ilk. I, I don't. I'm not well versed in Metal Heroes, and I did not do the research this week. <laughs> I, I also did not do <laughs> any research. Look, it is but, November 11th. It's been a long 11 days, folks. It's it's yes, it's been wild. So. Metal heroes are a lot like Power Rangers or Super Sentai in that it's giant robots and people with uh, shiny, goggly helmets. But unlike Super Sentai, which is a squad, metal heroes tend to just be one dude. Yeah, it's one dude and a few Sometimes some friends, sometimes some partners or sidekicks. There are a couple of team-based ones. Uh, Cyber Cops comes to mind. Blue SWAT comes to mind. Basically, a metal hero versus a common rider. Common riders are kind of body horror themed in a lot of ways. Metal heroes are strictly science fiction and sometimes police themed. Thus, yes. Investigator in Just Beyond, for example. Even though he's not really investigating anything, he's just sniffing and punching. Yeah, so so this series starts in space, and they we learn about a young man who's been raised by a space mystic. Would you call various... him? Would you call Just Beyond a caveman or like a Tarzan? I'd say it's more of a Tarzan because his master is not as primitive as him. He's like. A young Dar from Beastmasters. Yeah, I'll, we'll go with that, yes. He's a fantasy hero, very clearly, from the get-go. He's wearing a loincloth, he's swinging on vines, um, and he's apprenticed to this space wizard that spends all his time reading stone tablets in space. Yeah, and then we learn through finger-wavy plot that Just Beyond is actually, uh, has this giant robot that he's connected with and he's able to transform it's just like a wipe yeah it's like oh by the way uh giant robots now and there's the big bad in this series is satan gorth satan goth satan goth which is basically um baron karza from micronauts he's what if darth vader was 50 feet tall yeah and then later was also had a human component that was just a guy in a double-breasted suit. A real creepy guy in a suit. And then his son, Mad Gallant. We'll get to that. Man, it's fucking bizarre. So yeah, so Just Beyond is a space himbo that gets charged to battle giant monsters. Gets given a giant spaceship robot, a sexy android lady to help him out because he's incompetent. And then later he befriends a space porcupine? That he rescues from the Star Wars cantina, yes. Yeah, which is basically, it's it's deeply influenced by Star Wars. The first couple episodes are very Star Wars. You have the Obi-Wan character teaching the yokel 
how to be a space hero and they go to a cantina planet. I think instead of uh, a desert, it's a jungle because that was where they could shoot that week. They had that lot open. And they have to rescue the baby porcupine monster from the cantina where there's a big fight. Then there's a giant monster fight. Um, What's interesting about this show, though, is the Monster of the Week premise originally is just beyond hopping planet to planet and solving that planet's problem. Yeah, for about three or four episodes. Yeah, and then it goes to, oh, now Satan Goth is on Earth, so we're just going to be on Earth for the rest of the series. And I want to know if that's them just eating up the entire budget for the first couple episodes, or if they decided that they wanted to focus on children, because unlike other uh, tokusatsu shows, first couple episodes have zero kids in them. There's (laughs) one child in the episode right before they go to Earth, and I wonder Mm -hmm. if the ratings boosted so much that they're like, oh, that's what we forgot to put in this, is... Our key demographic. Yeah, I don't know what the production cycle was like on this show. I mean, they have to be shooting more than just three or four episodes ahead, um, clearly. But, like, I think part of his budget, I think they blew their budget making Ice Planet, Jungle Planet, Quarry, Wind Planet, etc. I think that just, like, they realized we could just shoot in the in the city and it would be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, they clearly, I mean... This show has such weird budgetary concerns because, like, the effects are bad. I'm just going to say it. The effects do not look good. They are early 80s, chroma key, everything, for the most part. Um, The costumes for the hero are kind of rough. Like, it's one of those shows where the seams start to show really early. And by seams, I mean actual strips of silver duct tape holding the giant robot suit together sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's... But it's still pretty charming. Interestingly enough, it looks better than uh, Red Man. But also, I think Red Man literally used uh, monster suits from the trash in its production cycle. So, obviously, anything's going to look better than that show. Yeah, Red Man was all recycled materials, and I think they shot that on the budget of, like, two Common Writer episodes. We'll Just come beyond... back to that show. <laughs> Just beyond, I think, because they have 46 monster suits to make. Just, it's... Because this thing ran for two, almost like two years. I remember correctly. It's 85 to the end of 86. Two seasons worth of programming. Um, they just had to make so many giant monsters. And I think that's where their money went to. And frankly, I see it because... Mm-hmm. Although the Just Beyond suit is serviceable and the robot is fine, the robot definitely shows uh, the roughest design. Uh, It's definitely just big rubber, like, you know those kids' Hulk fists that are just the big rubber fists? It's The giant robot has those, uh, Mm -hmm. just vacuum-molded fists. But... The monsters on each episode are very well designed. Oh, now, yeah. not the small monsters. Like, the, the porcupine alien looks horrible. But yeah, the Mia actual monsters of the week are pretty impressive designs. Oh, yeah. And some of them have good, like, practical gimmicks. And there are multiple ones that spit actual fire. I think the, possibly because it was a cheaper effect, much like in the Gamma movies. And, and laser eyes. 
And one of them has blinking eyes, which are rather impressive. Several of them do. The weird thing, and again with the budget with Just Beyond, when, when Just Beyond slays the giant monster with his giant robot, again, in most tokusatsu, the monster explodes. There's a pyrotechnic show. There's fireworks. I'd say about half the time, these monsters just die. Yeah, they just die they outright. Just fall over <laughs> and die, and their eyes close, and then they just cut away. Uh, in one of the ones we watched, they faded the monster out of the film and faded in a stock footage of a firework going off instead of actually setting off pyro on the set. <laughs> um, it's it's a weird show. But the thing about Just Beyond is it was also one of Toei's early big international successes. This yes. film or this series aired in Brazil in 1988. And it was as popular in Brazil as Power Rangers was here. Yeah, it's really fascinating to see uh, the Power Rangers phenomenon through the Just Beyond lens. Because in Brazil, there's Just Beyond comic books and Just Beyond merch in the way that we have the extended Power Rangers universe in American media. Yeah, they redubbed a later Metal Heroes show, I believe, into Just Beyond Part 2. Um, there is a Just Beyond movie that started production end of 2019. It got derailed by the pandemic. But, like, there was a Brazilian-produced Just Beyond movie that is in development hell right now. Well, uh, I'm excited about that. A new comic series in Brazil just launched, like, this year. Now, the other thing that we have to point out is that Just Beyond may be very recognizable to many Americans because one of the uh, one of these suits is very reminiscent to uh, the Spielbahn uh, mm -hmm. metal hero that was featured in VR Troopers. Yeah, it's a lot of the same uh, design team worked on Just Beyond as would work on Metalder, Spielbahn, Scheider, all those. Uh, Basically, very... the metal heroes are just color palette swaps of each other. In a lot of ways, yes. Yeah, while, while Super Sentai, while uh, Kamen Rider are very much the vision and are cleaving really close to that vision of like Shotori Shimonori's design aesthetic, the metal heroes go in a very different direction they owe a lot to you know early 80s mecha designs just scaled down and there's a lot of like weird bits of gundam in them there's a lot of bits of like robocop in them yeah um i think my one of my favorite weird tokusatsu movies lady battle cop mm -hmm. is basically a metal hero movie with a lot more violence like they're very um it also reminds me a lot of the anime Bubblegum Crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenichi Sonata directed Bubblegum Crisis, the mecha design, character design on that. Um, it's, again, very similar to what's going on here. Um, Sonata you might have seen in uh, Gunsmith Cats and Writing Bean also. And uh, Bubblegum Crisis is actually right in this, is follows a lot of these metal heroes. So you mm -hmm. could argue that it's um, influenced a bit. Yeah, it's, it's all very... It is. It's it's power armor in Japan. It's it's where this, it's it's the transition from big robot to little robot in a lot of ways. And what's also interesting is the sort of Auroros 
the snake eating its tail of later Power Rangers adopt this sort of power armor in the later Sentai seasons. Um, Kam- uh, yeah, later Kamen Rider, uh, Kamen Rider uh, Kabuto has a very strong metal hero influence in its design as well. One, it's the Kamen Rider that works for a police agency, like most of the metal heroes do. It's a Kamen Rider that wears clunky, weird armor that it pops off to turn into a regular Kamen Rider later. It's it's a strange show. We'll watch that one soon. <laughs> I think the other thing that's very interesting about metal heroes versus other Sentai and um, Toei shows is that there's minimal transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, Just Beyond Ship is a giant robot, but it's mostly a tank and an airplane and a motorcycle. Yeah, like you've got the spaceship, Dileon. Inside you've got his tank, Garbin, that splits into a smaller tank with drills in the front and a jet fighter. I think inside the jet fighter you have the um, the motorcycle. Um, the spaceship transformation is interesting when it turns into a robot because it really just kind of takes itself apart and puts itself back together differently. Yeah, it's very much... Uh, it's very toyetic, and what I deeply appreciate about Tokusatsu is how um, they really just have an action figure on screen. The mm-hmm. The production uh, Dileon is only three notches above the toy Dileon. Yeah, they definitely started with their design sketches of, we want the ship to look like this, the robot to look like this. Took it to Bandai, I was like, okay make a Godaiken out of this. And yeah. they did. And they said, okay, I guess we're going to have to transform it on screen the way the toy does. And the toy had to pull these parts off and put them on his legs and all that. The problem you run into with that is when you get into the human suit costume for the giant robot, it also looks like a 1980s die cast metal, barely jointed giant robot toy. So it gets a little awkward looking. Yeah. Like, they forgot to put elbows on the robot. And knees. And knees. <laughs> so they and have like, an actor they compensate with... because they... <laughs> like there's a split in the leg pipe, so the guy can do like sidekicks and and big like roundhouse stuff. Like it's a pretty agile suit because it's mostly I think cardboard, um, a little bit of injection molded plastic or uh, vacuum form plastic over the chest. Um, it's a very light looking suit, but like the fists are giant because I'm pretty sure the Dileon toy has spring loaded fist missiles, like a like a Shogun warrior, right. So you need to make those big enough to not be a choking hazard. <laughs> we can't let these get lost under anyone's couch, so we have to make them large enough. But yeah, I would say for all of its weirdness, it's a very enjoyable show. And oh, yeah. what I really like is how this is sort of more of a grim, dark villain storyline. Actually, a bunch of the Metal Heroes series have really interesting storylines. Of course, probably the best is uh, Metalder, and we'll get into that one later. But I appreciate that the villain is this, you know, Satan Goth is this very dark, uh, evil person and starts... Uh, to put evilness into the hearts of children and make mm-hmm. children evil. Um, we have to talk, of course, about the fourth episode of the series, if memory serves, which is about a girl whose father was killed in a traffic accident. 
Yes, that's number five. It's your dad's star. Yeah. <laughs> so this girl's dad has died, so she starts acting out in school because she's grieving. Mm-hmm. And, and her classmates bully her for interrupting their teacher's lecture after you know, school. You know, those bullies that are really invested in learning. They're like, nobody interrupts our group learning time. You wasted our class time. We're going to beat you up. What the hell? So Satan Goth finds out that this girl is a good conduit for uh, Ultra Beasts, which are the big monsters. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's Mega Beasts. Mega Beasts, yeah. Specifically the Mega Beast Giga, an interdimensional elephant. Yes. Uh, who has teeth in his trunk. Yes. Coming out the top of it. Yeah. So a horned trunk. So then this girl goes on a rampage and terrorizes her friends and truck drivers because her father was killed by a trucker uh, on accident and unleashes an actual interdimensional monster just for, for the lols. And this kid that they have playing Santomi, the little girl, is, again, one of many very intense nine-year-olds in <laughs> Tokusatsu. Up there with, uh, with Mako from, uh, from Nebula and just that stone-faced little girl. Very, very angrily playing a, fute and a flute and watching the city burn. Now, the other reason why I think they brought Just Beyond to Earth is... Episode 5 really digs deep into the fish out of water. Mm -hmm. Now we can do jokes where Just Beyond walks into women's rooms because he doesn't know Earth's customs. Mm -hmm. uh, we can do that thing of Earth is the greatest planet and, and the whole galaxy knows about us that we tend to be very obsessed with. Um, and, and all those sorts of shenanigans as well. Also, no one noticed that... Um, just Beyond's weird disco uh, bondage outfit doesn't fit in with Earth fashion. They just kind of go with it. I mean, he is the most 80s fashion forward of the Tokusatsu heroes I've ever seen. He also has the biggest perm in the world. God, yes. He's wearing his costume. Okay, so he's got like what? Cowboy boots, I think? Yeah. And white slash silver tights. And, and a motorcycle jacket that is leopard print. Yeah. And and like a pirate shirt. Like and a, a flouncy, shirt. flouncy shirt. And then his android buddy, Henri, is wearing like a red body stocking and a plastic red and white dress. With with giant epaulets. Like giant poofy, wing, poofy shoulders. Like shoulder pads. <laughs> shoulder pads out to God. And the actors they've got playing Henri does some just bizarrely phenomenal pratfalls as the uh, the malfunctioning android and her face work she mm -hmm. does these rigorous uh contorted faces that make me uh terrified that her eyes are going to stick like that every time she does them <laughs> yeah it's it's wild um 
it's definitely one of the weirder things I've ever seen. And they carry this out for 46 episodes. They just never let up. Yeah, and the other thing that I find very fascinating is there's several tokusatsu shows that are kind of tough to find in America mm-hmm. uh, without purchasing them from a, a sketchy website. But yeah. this got a major Blu-ray release. Now, it immediately went out of print and probably has no prospects of ever being reprinted. But it actually <laughs> got a commercial release that was pretty prestigious. Yeah, this is one of the series that was picked up by DMR, Digital Media Rights, I believe that's called. Uh, Digital Management Rights, maybe. Um, at any rate, they are a um, an aggregator for various streaming services. If you watch something on Amazon Prime or Tubi that's not an original to Amazon Prime, it's a DMR release, more than likely. They operate Midnight Pulp, Retro Crush, Asia Crush. I think they do Mutant Sorority, which is one of the Troma streaming services. Um, lots and lots of things like that. And um, DMR just nabbed the rice just beyond from Toei. Saw, I guess there was already a translation for it and just put it out. Um, so it is streaming on uh, Midnight Pulp is where we watched it. Yeah, and um, you should definitely watch it too. Yeah. Uh, those the, listening uh, out there that haven't checked the show out. The Blu-ray can be found on Amazon sometimes. It is a standard definition Blu-ray, which is weird. Um, because it's a budget release, again, it's a DMR release, so they're shoestring budgets in a lot of cases. So it's all 46 episodes on a single Blu-ray disc. Yeah, (laughs) which, let's be honest, that is the kind of media that is my favorite, is we're going to use Blu-ray not for its video quality, but for its storage capacity. (laughs) I mean, from an archival standpoint, it's fine. There's no other way to get this thing. I would rather buy a $30 Blu-ray of everything than have to drop hundreds of dollars on DVDs if it's going to be a standard definition. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal show. I recommend checking it out again on Midnight Pulp. Um, it's a free streaming website. It's ad-supported. There is some pretty good toku on there. We're going to definitely dip back into there for, um, I believe it's Message from Space they have the TV series for. Excellent. It's the one of Sonny Chiba. <laughs> so Quincy... Um, that's all I've got for Just Man. Do you have any final remarks as our uh, as our professor of all things English language and uh, literature and tokusatsu? Uh, just, I just I want to point out that Just Beyond is a portmanteau. It is a combination of justice, P, and then lion. I don't know what the P comes from. I think it's actually a portmanteau of justice and champion. Oh, yes. Justice and champion. Well, you know. Yeah, he's the galactic wolf. Yes. Not a lion. <laughs> How you galactic wolf. <laughs> Gosh dang. Um, yeah, no, I love this show. I think I might actually just sit down and hunker in and watch the rest of this. Oh, yeah, for sure. In one sitting. I was sitting, thinking about just the same thing. <laughs> only 40 episodes to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will uh, put a pin in Just Beyond for right now. The, uh, the Great Wolf of the Galaxy has howled, and it's uh, about time for us to wrap up. I think we'll be back in two weeks with uh, a change of pace to something a little more um, hard science fiction or at least uh, soft science fiction maybe a film, or maybe something completely bizarre. I don't know. I've got so much. I've got some weird, weird uh, furry ninja tokusatsu as well, Quincy. What are you in the mood for? Um, I, talking about that Tetsujin Tiger. <laughs> talking about that Tetsujin Tiger 7. Talking about that Lion Man. Talking about that Jaguar Man. <laughs> that Leopard Man. 
Pea Productions went through a weird state of trying to make animal-headed ninjas, and they made a lot of them. So we'll be back in two weeks with uh, something like that. In the meantime, Quincy, where can folks find you online? People can find me and my other podcast, Rankin Vile, on Instagram, at Rankin Vile. Uh, and they can find my co-host, Ryan, on Twitter, at Rankin Vilecast. Uh, so give us a follow. Definitely do. Ryan is doing uh, the Lord's work on that Twitter account, and y'all's podcast is charming. Aw, shucks. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that Canon Films episode soon. Um, and you can, of course, follow our show at Tokuino on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out my game uh, my game pamphlets at uh, nonplayablekyle.itch.io if you're so inclined. Um, and also, please, as I always say, be kind to yourself, but also, please, uh, try to drop a donation or some volunteer time if you can at fairfight.com where we are still trying to uh, survive our slide into a nightmare dimension. Yeah, take care of each other. Take care of each other. Thanks for listening to me and Toku and everyone we know. Our show comes out twice a month at tokuwino.cast.rocks, and if I built this correctly, you can also find us on Google, iTunes, and anywhere else that pods are cast. Our intro music is Friendship Blast OK by Ryan Boyd. Make sure to check out Ryan and Quincy's other show, Rankin Vile, at rankinvile.podbean.com. It's a spooky show about scary movies. And we'll see you in two weeks. Oh, let go,